Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to a Roadshow Wednesday with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and we are on the road today out at Seacrest Field. We've got the clock ticking down, uh, about 50 minutes and change till the Battle of Unbeatens commences, Southwest versus Southeast, freshman football. Uh, the folks in Vegas say there's a uh, 9-1 to one odds that Junior gets in the game today. But that's all right. Keep on chopping wood. Keep on practicing hard. It's kind of the motto and mantra for Nebraska football as they uh, prepare for Northwestern. You're welcome to join us today and uh, dial us up 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. We are stream yarding. Hour one, as long as I don't get into a <clears throat> coughing, sneezing fit. The the allergies, Elijah, are very real, sir. How are you? Yeah, I'd say we don't have our, our usual ability to be able to, to shut your mic off whenever you got a sneeze coming on. That's There's your radio secret right there for anyone listening at home. <laughs> That's why we never sneeze on the air. You can just shut that mic off real quick. But when you're on video on the stream, there's nothing you could do. You'll just have a silent sneeze going. Everyone will see it. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure these screenshots will provide hilarity for many. <laughs> but uh, you've been giving me some garbage. Uh, the poll question today is, do I or don't I button this button here? You've been been freaking out a little bit. You've been giving me problems about the, the way Newton look. With, uh, it's, it, we had a little bit of rain here in Lincoln earlier today. Now it's just kind of sticky outside. But it uh, should be a good day for football. We'll dive into it. Mike Babcock from Hale Varsity with us in about 20 minutes. Mike Shuhart, Shuey, plenty of golf. Uh, what a job by uh, USA. Shuey will chime in on that. He'll have a take or, or two on football. And before hour one is done, uh, standout linebacker, the pride of Burke, Nick Henrich will join us, our sit-down from Monday. In hour two, Brad Edwards, college football insider, his takeaways on Nebraska's struggles and that monster game down in Tuscaloosa, Ole Miss, and Alabama. The lane train uh, heads into uh, St. Nick camp. And, of course, can find us on uh, Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt, at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal, and email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Greg Smith will be with us, some big-time visitors. It's a, it's a quality versus a quantity deal for the Big Red uh, this weekend and next weekend against Michigan. But, Elijah, what is <coughs> – excuse me, what is it about Northwestern? Uh, guilty, I thought, is as good a coach as Fitzgerald is. 
as uh, wonderful as the story is with with Coach Barnett taking the purple to Pasadena. They were just one of those teams I just you, you always mark down when Nebraska joined the Big Ten as a win. They're not brutal like Kansas, but they're kind of in that class, right, where you just say, ah, it's a win, right? It's just it, Northwest, and it's been anything but. They've been dogfights. They've been heartbreaks. They've been high intensity and exciting. I mean, uh, three, uh, three touchdown win in 2014 for Nebraska and uh, an 11-point win in 2016. Otherwise, these sons of guns have been two-point, three-point overtime, overtime, and even last year as Nebraska tried to bounce back from Ohio State, they did something that they hadn't done in the Frost era that often, and that score on consecutive possessions. They scored before going into half, and then they took the lead coming out in the third quarter. But uh, we get back to this point total issue with the Nebraska offense. Uh, it's it's there. Now, there's been some, some shootouts in 17 and in 18. But uh, before the Michigan State loss, like the gold standard of, of heartbreak, how did that happen? Losses was the Northwestern overtime loss in 2018 where you blow a 10-point lead with four minutes to go. So as we look at Nebraska, Elijah, and uh, Northwestern here, uh, Northwestern 3-2 and two against Nebraska in their last five. Uh, find us on StreamYard as well, ESPN, Facebook, and watch what we're doing. But this really... Honestly, if we're talking about cleaning up, if we're talking about Nebraska football being a better, more disciplined team, and they have not shown that consistently for four quarters, let alone game to game, week to week, they're better than Illinois. This is really ultimately the test between Northwestern and Iowa. Those are the two teams that are just great at capitalizing on your screw-ups as a football team. And with Northwestern coming in, they're – they themselves are, are at two and two. Uh, said yesterday, and it's true. This is your elimination race in the West, right? Uh, the first team to zero and three, gone, done. See ya. Uh, Nebraska is favored favored by eight, but this uh, this group will test you. It'll make you disciplined, and it'll really be the telltale sign for me with where Nebraska's mentality is at. Are they really truly able to be? Resilient. I give them all the credit in the world uh, from Illinois to, to where we're at right now. Bouncing back the way they prepped for Oklahoma. Couldn't quite get it done. The way they bounced back from a tough one against Oklahoma on the road against Michigan State. This is truly a, a gut check for Nebraska against a team that's going to, well, demand you be perfect because Northwestern does great things. They turn you over a lot or they, they, at least they have against Nebraska, there's been that crucial key turnover that's been a difference maker. Penalties, Nebraska's been obviously the more penalized team in the series against Northwestern. And <laughs> Coach Kaz talked about it yesterday. Well, we didn't screw up and miss on any of these kids, and then they turned out turn up and, and either take you to the fourth quarter or, or, or beat you. Their football IQ matched with their development is really second to none, second to none, and then you throw in what three, uh, two first rounders, and a lot of draft picks from last year that are gone. Fitz is doing a great job. This is the team that I think you're 
you don't want to see, but you need to see if you're Nebraska football to truly test how much work you've put in and if you can be a more sound team yourself. Yeah, and I think it's also a great test for Nebraska because the Northwestern offense is not what you need to be worried about going into Saturday. I don't want to discredit them at all, but against Nebraska's defense... That's not how they're going to win. If Nebraska's defense plays up to their standards, they're not going to win through their offense. They're going to win through capitalizing on your errors, just as you've said. That's why it's a perfect test game for Nebraska because realistically, Nebraska can win this game scoring 21 points. Realistically. Whenever you look at Northwestern only putting up 21 against Michigan State. They only put up 23 against Duke. I really think Nebraska has just as good, if not a better defense than Michigan State. And let's not forget, Michigan State was in control for most of that game. They took their foot off the gas at the end. And I think Nebraska's got a better defense than Duke. And both those teams held uh, Northwestern to under 24 points in their game. So I, I really realistically think this Nebraska defense should be able to hold Northwestern to what? 14 points, 17 points on Saturday. That's realistic. And let's not forget the fact that Northwestern's defense isn't what it was either. Nebraska should be able to put up more than 21 points as long as it's not shooting itself in the foot, which it hasn't proved that it can do this season. So, How's, how's Northwestern going to score? Let's talk about that for a few seconds. They're I mean, going to score because you turn it over at your own 40. They're going to score on a kickoff return. They're going to score on a punt return or a strip sack. Right? Those are the four ways they're going to score. If they get the ball to the 25-yard line, they may be good for a big play and hit you for one score where they drive the length of the field. But there's no, there's no dynamic quarterback back there. I know you're going to see like three of them Saturday. Their running game's okay, but it's nothing that Nebraska hasn't faced when you look at the last two weeks. It's going to come down to respecting your opponent if you're Nebraska, being dialed in at that level you've been at defensively uh, since Illinois. And I think the defense is on a search-and-destroy mission. I mean, they're, they're angry. They should be. And they're getting better every week. They are. They continue to grow. They haven't stopped their growth, and they've been really, really good. They just they see it, man. And they see what has been preached to them. Uh, it's been practiced, and they have been elite. They've been really fun to watch. They need more help, which leads us to a, a, a question here. When we talk about improved level of play and uh, getting back to that uh, that 500 number, if you're Nebraska, uh, it's going to be two units. And if you're a, a wagering man, who are you more confident in in a phase of the game or a position group that's really been problematic. Uh, special teams, that can cover punt, that can cover kick, that can cover kickoff return, that can cover field goal. So there's four different elements there. But then we also have the offensive line. What do you believe? Do you, for, we'll start with the offensive line. In, in which unit do you think is better? Do you think you get better O-line play on Saturday? Or do you think it's special teams that can finally be more towards that, that competent title or tag? And, and they can be a difference maker. Because you can win against Northwestern with minimal offense, great special teams play, and, and crushing defense. You can. It's two out of the three. Two out of the three faces win every football game, okay, in most instances. And your offense has been lacking. Your special teams has been disastrous. And your defense has been a rock star. I don't know if I'm ready to say – the offensive line, just because there may be new faces. If there are new faces, 
Um, you hope they're ready or hope they're prepped. You hope they've had a great week of practice and they're ready for their first game. Not, not, not their first game, but their first game starting. If we're talking about a, uh, a Teddy playing left tackle, if we're talking about uh, a guy like Corcoran moving into guard, maybe. Uh, what do you what do you get out of out of Sichterman as he continues to chop wood, and then with Ben Hart does he step up from a really really tough outing, uh, specifically with pass protection, uh, and then there's you know you're kind of your gold standard in, in Cam Jurgens. So is the O line if you do make changes, will they be better? Will they be will they be competent? Will they help you win? Will they help you with a run game? Will they keep you on schedule? Most importantly, will you keep Adrian from getting killed? And, and he's been uh, an elite football player, not perfect, but, man, he's been incredible for Nebraska football. Uh, there's help around Adrian with the skill guys, but you need that offensive line to not be a liability. And then there's special teams. You know, both your kickers right now have been yanked, and they have had problems with their execution. Culp seems to be better, had a really nice bounce back against Michigan State. And then there's your, your punting game. Sounds like Oliver Martin might be back, so uh, we aren't going to get into return yardage. Let's, let's not jump the gun, Elijah. But at least Nebraska can field a punt, whether it's uh, one you got to retreat for or one you have to run up for so it doesn't bounce and then roll 25 yards. So if I'm circling, this is probably a gamble because they've been the worst unit on the team. But I think special teams, as much microscope time as they've seen the last couple of weeks, I think that's that's very real. I think they could be better to help you win. I still uh, worry about the offensive line. You look at seven penalties in the first quarter the last two games that have kept Nebraska. It's helped keep Nebraska down from scoring any points in the first quarter. That's the other thing. Nebraska, every guy we have on here talks about you know scoring first and getting comfortable, bud. Well, uh, Nebraska's uh, had had you know five drives in the first quarter. And they put out a whopping 10 points this season. So they've not jumped out on anybody. And it's, a lot of it's been their own doing because of penalties and or, or uh, you know, the false start. So it's a, it's a losing bet either way based on recent history. But I'm going to have to lean towards special teams being a little bit better this week uh, when it comes to improved level of play versus the offensive line. And, and I, you're just, I, I got to disagree. Like, and you're going to say that you're, you're sticking up for your guys, your linemen. I just I just think the offensive line right now is, especially if you make changes week six, you're supposed to pick the right guys out of the gate. And it, it's not desperation if, if somebody wins a spot here in week six. But you're not you're not going older. You're gonna go younger, and you're gonna put guys in unfamiliar spots against a really smart defense. See, and I'm just gonna disagree with you, just because of all the ways it can go wrong on the special teams. We've had issues from the specialists already this season, uh, missing kicks, missing punts, uh, shanking them for seven yards, and not to mention the guys around were making mistakes too. Even over the extra points, gonna go through the uprights. You're getting bull rushed up front, and it's getting blocked. Uh, you're having issues with your, your punt coverage. Who knows if I, I think they ran the correct way, but they still couldn't make a tackle on a Michigan State returner whenever they did have a, a one-on-one out there. So there's been a multitude of issues on the special teams. And let's not forget that one bad play from, a spe- from the special teams can completely shift the game. It's a, it's an extra point return for a touchdown. It's a punt return back for a touchdown. To the Unlike offense, can't a missed do anything. block that's a strip sack before half and a touchdown return? I think it's much more rare whenever one mistake along the offensive line leads to a, a touchdown. Do we want to like get into turnover numbers for Adrian? 
But but when it comes look to at fumbles. This. If, if, if the offensive line goes out <laughs> and executes, if the offensive line executes ninety percent of their plays, you're having the the first and ten that gets blown up for a two yard loss. Well, guess what? You still have two more plays to make it up. If the special teams makes and it up you're and allows calling a pass play, my friend. If the special teams mes- makes a mistake and it's a return for thirty yards, boom! Now Northwestern has the ball in the thirty five yard line and they're two plays away from being in field goal range. It's just that the margin for error is much smaller on the special teams, and that's why I think the 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 offensive line's got a better chance of having a bounce back game against Northwestern, despite all the moving pieces that could be happening on Saturday. I don't think you're wrong. I, I don't think you're wrong, but I just think I think I think Coach Dawson still has that look in his eye. <laughs> I think he still has that that look in his eye uh, where you know where Harry. Oh, yeah, it's the Rockies. I've got two gloves on. <laughs> Lloyd, I, I think Coach Dawson has gone there with just the absurdity of, of how bad special teams has been. We'll get Mike Babcock's thoughts. We are on the road here at Seacrest Field. It's freshman football about a half hour away. It's southeast and southwest. And uh, we'll talk with Babbers of Hale Varsity next. Nebraska Northwestern Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! You know, it, emails are coming in. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Clive uh, emailed in and is, is not a fan of the Northwestern defensive line. And I, I love Clive. He emails quite a bit, but he he is thinking about self harm if uh, if things don't go well. Uh, Brett emails in. He says uh, Adrian will help them get fourteen with a pick six and a fumble. Nebraska needs to score thirty five. What's what's with all the hate? There's on that Adrian. vocal minority, vocal minority of of folks hating on number two. They're zero and freaking five without him. And I know they're two and three, but he's been incredible. And, and let's let's be clear here: these mistakes are while it's him making the throws. Yes, it's on the offensive line for not giving enough protection, making him see stuff back there. That is a real, real issue. Whenever you got a free rusher coming through at a quarterback, I know you you can't <laughs> see it on on TV when you're sitting on your couch, but those hits hurt. They hurt really bad whenever you you've opened up your body. We got the live stream so you can see it, and you were opening up that big chest yeah, yeah. area to take a throw, hit. Show me that throwing motion, left tackle. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, and you said free. I'm going to say three. It's been three or four dudes getting after the quarterback. It's not like people are blitzing. Let's bring in historian, author, Hall of Famer Mike Babcock with us at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, you got a point total in mind that needs to happen for Nebraska Saturday? Um, let's see. Uh, a lot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A whole bunch to not very much. I, they, yeah, I think they, they need to put up some points on Northwestern. But uh, it's, hard, it's hard to say what, where Northwestern's at, really, because, uh-huh. uh, you know, win against Ohio, it's pretty hard to – Hard to evaluate that, um, and then what? Indiana State. Yeah, I mean, Larry yeah. Bird's been gone from Indiana State for a long time. Yeah, he could hit those threes, but you know, <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I, twenty-eight points. I, I always, I think I the last time 
we said Oklahoma, we were looking at a lot of points. I, yeah. I think you got to score some points against Northwestern. But you know, here's the thing: it's just redundant. But but uh, Northwestern is is fundamentally, I think, pretty good. And your discussion about Adrian, I, I was just looking up how many times he carried here. Uh, Seventy-two times he's carried. He's been sacked twelve times in the last two games. Yes, eighteen for the eight, eighteen total. I mean that's that is that's crazy. Uh, seven times in the la- uh, Michigan State, and then, you know you, you're right. I mean I don't understand why people are getting on Adrian because it, we've we've I've said this I say it ad nauseum, but. Um, it, it starts up front. It starts with the guys up front. They got to get the job done. And you know, seven sacks against Michigan State, and again, we got four more false start penalties. That's eight false start penalties in the last two games. And you figure those are going to be corrected. They've got to be corrected. I mean, that's something that you control. Control things you can control, and 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 go after it. And you know, it's, so uh, Sickerman said on Monday, he said, well, there's going to be, you know, we're, we're working on things and, and we're, we're getting there, the little things. And Frost said there was going to be open competition, as there always is, he said, and he's been working with the offensive line a little bit. But, you know, they're, they're to the point, these are, I know they're young guys, but with that extra year that uh, the COVID thing, uh, provides these are also experienced guys. Um, the, you know they've had an opportunity to be on the field and to play. And you think you would think at this point that you're not making those kinds of penalties. You know the the other two penalties on the defense in the last two games were on Jurgens for uh, for late hits or I don't know what what they called it. He he just kept you know he was going to the whistle. I think there were questionable calls. He was. He was doing what you want your offensive lineman to do, and that's to be aggressive and to you know push those guys until the until the whistle blows. So I think those were questionable calls. But man, eight false starts, and and you know back to back false starts in each of the games. So yeah, that's first that's at first and twenty you're ten yards back before you even snap the ball. Yeah, it's, it's been a comedy of errors. Jeff emails in chris at hailvarsity.com. He's mad at Adrian because he can't punt. So uh, there's, there's that, uh, which is a fair criticism. I don't know. Maybe you try it. But, Mike, uh, let's, let's talk a line here. And Elijah and I spent some time on it. I think special teams is, I mean, gosh, it can't get worse between the different phases. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping it's better if you're a Nebraska fan. But with the offensive line, I mean, Greg Austin's doing what he can. He's been criticized. The kids have been criticized. They're, they're trying to be better. They don't want this. But when push comes to shove, it's, it's not been good enough. And uh, I guess I don't know that going to the backups will be the answer because they've been the backups. Do you think? Do you have a, a hope that the O line play will be better? Or? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, and I, you know, I don't want to like throw those guys under the bus. You know, I, I think they're working hard, and you know, maybe there's, maybe it's a mindset thing. Maybe when you have 
four false start penalties against Oklahoma gets in your head, you know? Sure. And, and you're just – the false start probably on some level indicates that, you know, hey, I'm ready to go. You know, I want to be aggressive. I want to get after these guys. But you've got to have that discipline. And I, I think they have – the ta- again, I think they have the talent. And I really felt like going into the season that the offensive line could be a strength because of the, because of the experience, because of the talent and um, guys returning, but it just it just hasn't been. And you know, I think it's unfortunate that uh, that some people are jumping on Martinez um, as a result of that because I think Martinez is is really playing well. And uh, um, yeah, he makes mistakes, but. You know, when you're under the kind of pressure he's under and you're taking the pounding that he's taken, um, it's tough. It's tough. And, they, you know, I think they still haven't got to the point where you feel really comfortable with the, with the running game, other than Martinez, you know, making some, making some big plays. I, you know, Ramir Johnson, I, I think, did a pretty good job. Um, but uh, I think they've got to get that running game uh, figured out to some degree so that that can take some pressure off Adrian as well. Mike, at what point do you think that Nebraska has to start, you know, leaving a running back in for pass protection, maybe going double tight and leaving both the tight ends in for pass protection just to give Adrian some time back there? Because, I mean, we saw on on replays against Michigan State, there were receivers getting open, but Adrian just couldn't find him because he didn't have the time. Do you think that Nebraska is going to start leaving guys like Vokalek and Chancellor Brewington in to, to be blocking as opposed to being pass catchers just to give Adrian the time he needs to throw the ball? Well, uh, yeah, I think you have to figure out something. You've got to figure out some way to protect him a little bit so that he has that opportunity to do some check downs and some reads. And, and you're right, I, I, you know, in watching the game, I noticed there were times where it looked like there were receivers open, but he didn't have an opportunity to, to, to go to a secondary receiver or, you know, really scan the field to, to see who, who, who he could get, get the ball to. Um, and again, that has to be protection. So, if it's going to be a tight end, or you know, uh, uh, back in the day, you had fullbacks in there, but <laughs> <laughs> we don't have that anymore. And I understand that, but um, yeah, probably more likely tight, tight end. Mike Babcock's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine at MD Babs on Twitter, talking Nebraska Northwestern, cleaning up special teams and the offensive line. A uh, a Groundhog Day type conversation as uh, Nebraska tries to get back to 500. Mike, what what does a loss to Northwestern do to Nebraska? No, don't, don't, what, even, I, don't, don't go there. Don't go there. Um, that, <laughs> I gotta ask it because it, yeah. based on the series history, it's it's a problem. It, it, it it's not quite a likelihood, but it's a high probability. Yeah. Well, you know, I I, I said after the Oklahoma game that Nebraska had to show the grit. And, and push that, that it did against Oklahoma in the Michigan State game, and I thought it did, you know. The Huskers were in a position they could have won the game if, if things hadn't been falling apart in special teams and, and to some degree the offensive line. So um, you, you figure that Nebraska, there shouldn't be a letdown after Michigan State. You know, there wasn't. I don't think there was a letdown against uh, after Oklahoma. So um, Nebraska has to go. It's a must-win. Nebraska has to go out and win this game. Um, it's at home. The expectation is there. Um, but you're right. 
uh, Northwestern has been a been a pain. What won three of the last five, and a couple of them in overtime. So you know it can be frustrating, but you've got to be ready and you got to play to the right level, and you can't continue to self-destruct, whether that's offensive line or special teams, and uh, you know turning the ball over. So. Yeah, Mike, I, have you put I, your I, finger on? Has to win. Has to win. No, you're right on. Didn't mean to step on you there, but real quick here, about a minute or so. Have you put your finger on on the why? And you kind of touched on it with the offensive line, but when it comes to practicing special teams, do you think guys are getting the as close to the simulated looks as they need during during practice Monday through Thursday? Well, yeah, you'd think so. I mean, the, obviously it's been a point of emphasis. You know, you, you have to do it. They've talked about it. Um, now, uh, Northwestern, I think, has a special teams coach. Oh. I think Michigan State did, right? Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, I, I'm not one to think that that's what you need to have, but, um, you know, I see a lot of people saying that that's what has to happen. You know, you can't have a coach that's dividing his time between a position and special teams. But, you know, my experience going back, again, Tom Osborne here is kind of my point of reference. You know, they didn't have one guy that handled special teams. They had two guys that dealt with the offensive line, which I always thought was a way to go. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I don't know what else can be done. I think they're doing what needs to be done in practice on special teams but you know you just have those breakdowns and 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 uh uh, doing what you're supposed to do and then the the kicking game just has not been where it was expected to be and i i I have no answer for that because we have a you know we had the all big 10 place kicker last year and we had a punter that uh, was effective i thought mike babcock babbers we'll talk soon and thanks for your insight today bud Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's Mike Babcock with Hale Varsity. Mike Schuhart's on the way. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you here at Seacrest Field. It's Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow Wednesday. You can find us on the StreamYard ESPN Lincoln Facebook page. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and Elijah getting black dare we say for the mustache that got shaved southwest and southeast warming up here under 20 minutes till kickoff for freshman football a battle of undefeateds we welcome in golf uh, expert teacher fitter extraordinaire not just yet really Man, I was hoping for for Shuey. I need his take on Brooks and Bryson hugging it out. I need Ryder Cup takes. We did have a call in from the break, a good little topic from Pete. He called in and said that he's not calling this a must-win game. This is just a game that Nebraska can't throw away. That's the main thing to him. It's got to be not necessarily mistake-free, but a game that this is not Nebraska letting Northwestern hang around and a chance to win at the end. You know, and and that's that's Pete's a good caller, good listener. Appreciate him. Numbers to get in, 466-37-76-800-825-5865. Nick Henrich going to be with us here uh, in about uh, 10 minutes or so. But, yeah, that's that's a great point. It's not a a must win, but don't throw it away. Don't give it away. Tis the season, right? December's around the corner. 
where uh, you uh, you buy all sorts of holiday gifts for people. And if your heart's in the right place, you love watching their eyes light up when you give them a gift. Well, Nebraska's been gifting for a long, long time. They've even been re-gifting. If you think about just the, the amount of ball games Nebraska's had and squandered, uh, I think uh, there's been enough heat internally on them from their own peers that the reality is they're going to clean it up. They're going to do something about it. And it's going to come from those peers. It's going to come from the, the, the Jurgens. It's going to come from the Garrett Nelsons. It's going to come from the Ben Stillies. I mean, that that is who's got to police it because right now it's you can only hear the coaches harp so much. Let's bring in Mike Shuhart from Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, it's humid enough that I could use the old swim-up bar right now. How are you? I'm doing good. Got a beautiful day out here. A little rain, but it's past and it's gorgeous out. It's going to make that green a little easier for me to, to well, not not croquet mallet <laughs> the shot by the hole. Uh, your takeaway here on the Ryder Cup, Team USA, uh, Brooksy and Bryson, everyone's singing Kumbaya. What'd you think? Uh, it was pretty fun to watch. I mean, a very young team and. Uh, it, it kind of is like, the, to me, it's like watching the transformation. The European is an old team compared to the U.S. team. U.S. team is a very young team. But a lot of those guys have grown up playing college golf together, playing golf, you know, throughout the year, junior golf, college golf. So it's like they all know one another. So it's it was, it was pretty cool to see them play as a unit like that. That's kind of how the Europeans used to be. Um Europeans are getting older, not quite as many young guys in there. So, um, but to win like that, that, that ha- doesn't happen very often, man. There's too many good players out there. So they played some amazing golf. They hit some incredible shots. I look at Spieth on the side of a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was that was a shoehard special right there, man. Yeah. That was not that you're on the cliff a lot, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I am on the it. cliff a lot, <laughs> especially especially with football, my friend. Uh, yeah, but uh, back with, with Ryder Cup here. I mean, is this the the beginning of of a run in your opinion because of the youth you mentioned with Team USA? I think so. I mean, the youth and just the camaraderie with the team. You know, how well they get along with one another. I, I think uh, they're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with, you know. And there's a lot of great European players that are out there, but it's, you know, it's kind of the U.S. Is, has dominated that, you know, in the last couple of years. The, like I said, the European guys are getting a little older, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like you need that next influx of European young talent to sneak in there. But there's a lot of good young Americans, so they're going to be. They're going to be forced to reckon with for a while. Should we get a switch gears? How did you take the Spartan loss? Oh, that was a gut punch there. It's like, how do you lose? Impossible. But then it's like, if they're going to find a way to do it, they're going to find it. So it's it was encouraging watching them play, especially the defense. The defense played, I thought, spectacular. You know, the Michigan State was a really good running physical team, and they showed that they're, on defense anyway, pretty physical themselves. So, you know, it just it's just such a frustrating thing looking at 
the blunders that they make and if they could just clean that up I mean they could easily be undefeated team you know but at the same time you know that's every week they seem to be finding a way to do something that is like that makes you go huh how'd that just happen it's uh it's maddening and it's got to be maddening if you're coach frost and coach dawson and coach austin and take me through this this situation on a golf level as you're halfway through a season game six on the way shuey and does it work does it work out to to try and change mid-season if something's not working i mean you can't keep doing the same thing and expecting different results so i get that part of it but can you liken it to anything with golf where you, you got to hit reset deeper than you'd like in the season oh yeah i mean i i did that in, when i was coaching i mean i had a had a player that in qualifying was really good and i'd go to a tournament and she was really bad so then we come back and we go qualifying she'd qualify for the tournament and we get to the tournament and she was really bad finally i couldn't take her i just said i because i knew what i was going to get right. you know so sometimes sometimes you need to put somebody else in there because some people are really good practicers and some people are really good gamers you know some don't practice well but they are really good in a game so you don't you know you never know what you have with those players until you until you put them in the game and see what they do you know so it's like you got to give them a chance and see you know it's a little different but kind of the same you know you go through a week of practice and it's this guy looks like he sh- should be playing in practice but he's going against people he knows and situations he's comfortable in and then you get him outside of that you know does he still be able to perform the same you know and it's like if they keep showing you that they're kind of failing at what they're supposed to do and they're in a more pressure packed situation you know sometimes sometimes they just don't perform well in those situations and somebody else does you know it's like what do you have to lose sometimes it's like yeah you know what they're capable of doing and you watch them do it but they keep you keep waiting for them to do it but they never keep producing and sometimes you need to, to take their spot away from them and that helps light a little fire underneath them or or help them change a little bit if they really want what it is they work to get you know so most of the time does it work it, it does actually I think if that player is that good and they should be playing is what you see from them sometimes when you set them aside you know and they you take away with what they really want so you know that that lights a fire underneath them and they they want to get it back and keep it Mike Shuart. Shuey will check in next week, bud. Thanks for a few minutes. You bet. Always a pleasure. You guys stay safe. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Nick Henrich with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Nick, uh, let's uh, talk about Coach Rude real quick and how he's able to connect with you and, and some of your mates on the interior and what you're able to pick up from him and, and how uh, inside played great on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, Coach Roots, he's always been a guy that all the insides have loved because he demands excellence from us. And 
he has always a big emphasis on the routine and stacking days, and I think that's helped us uh, improve each week, and that's something we're going to need to continue to do throughout the season. How did you guys get prepped so well um, for for Sparty? I mean, incredible performance, uh, front seven, the entire defense, but specifically uh, with tackling. I know there's limited contact compared to what it used to be, but you guys were dialed in. Yeah, I mean, even if you're not killing guys in practice, you can still work your tackling. It's all about finishing and near foot up, so that's something we've been really trying to emphasize, and I think that really helped Saturday, just have an emphasis on that. So that's something we're going to need to continue to emphasize and get better on. What was the communication like from Coach Chenander and the plan, if you don't mind me asking? What was the goal? You obviously don't let Walker get going, but the execution part of it, how how well was that managed by by the entire defense when it comes to, to job responsibility and then mm-hmm. staying within that? Yeah, I mean, we didn't have a, a huge call list, really. We were just going to play our stuff and we knew the kind of adjustments they would try and do so we had adjustments for that and then ended up working great everyone was really doing their job and locked in so that was huge as you guys have gotten back to practice have you had to pick up the the offensive side of the ball or special teams or is is the i guess the mojo is it all right heading into another game yeah, I mean, it's always like as a defense, we first, we never point fingers. We always look at what we could have done better and we own it. You know what I mean? So and special teams as well, like there's a lot of defensive guys on special teams. So when that's not good, it can be a reflection of just still like do your job, do your job, do your job. That's really just been the emphasis this week. Do you do much on special teams? Yeah, I'm on punt. Yeah. Okay, so how take me through a, a sideline call and then out into action and how miscommunications can happen yeah i mean it's i was i think you're talking about you're talking about the one yeah so punt return yeah, yeah yeah so if the ball's kicked right like supposed to be kicked right it's got to be kicked right but at the same time like we can make up for that with effort you know what i mean like and speed and but it's just about doing your job and if we're never pointing fingers you know what i mean like it's it's not like one play didn't change that game like we could have done a billion different things better on not a billion but we could have done things better on defense and then we would have even been talking about this you know what i mean so it's always about just owning your craft and doing your job Nick Henrich with us and uh we'll get you out of here on this but uh at what point did you feel comfortable uh, you're a pretty high profile recruit you've kind of meshed well with that 19 class you've touched on that and made some really good bonds but when you when did you feel really comfortable speed of the game wise here in college yeah i mean it took some time definitely adjusting stuff like that but i want to change the thing i'd probably say probably minnesota last year when i just i really knew i was like okay like this is this is it like i can play and do really well at this level and you know what i mean so you just played yeah quite a bit faster yeah it was just it was kind of my first game playing back at inside after i moved to outside kind of back in my natural position i was just like okay yeah like i got this you know what i mean last thought here uh what are you guys expecting against northwestern from and from your own energy and, and then also the crowd yeah i mean memorial stadium's memorial stadium you know what i mean you know that crowd's gonna be great uh night game it's gonna be a lot of fun we're gonna bring the juice and we know the fans will too Nick, good to spend time with you. Thanks. Yep, thank you.
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Lively crowd here at Seacrest. Battle of unbeatens for freshman football. Junior still on the sideline. That's all right. Uh, three and out for Southwest. And uh, Southeast has the football. A tough run by Buten back off the right side. We'll get you updates. And Elijah, you put on your gold and black colors, haven't you? No. <laughs> no, you're, you're impartial now. We welcome in uh, college football insider and uh, author. We say hi to Brad Edwards, um, and uh, he is uh, down south. His book, uh, Dynasty by the Numbers, BamaDynastyBook.com is where you can log on and some great, uh, some great stuff on uh, the, the run that Saban is on. Uh, we'll talk some college football with Brad at J. Brad Edwards on Twitter. Brad, how's your, your week been, man? How's the, the tour, the travel been, man? Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, it's been an adventure. Um, it started on Sunday, uh, flew into uh, to Birmingham, Alabama, drove down to the, the Gulf Coast. Uh, spoke there, drove over to Jackson, Mississippi, and uh, that's where I currently am. I'm heading back to Alabama tomorrow, and then um, and then on to Tuscaloosa on Friday, where I'll eventually uh, watch Alabama Ole Miss on Saturday, and then and then fly back. So it's a it's a whirlwind tour, but a lot of fun stuff going. Okay, uh, I hear the the Grove is legendary in in Ole Miss. Tell me in, tell me about the tailgate scene. Uh, in Tuscaloosa, how crazy do you expect Saturday to be? Lane is coming back. Saban's been great against his assistants. Coral's been uh, just magic at quarterback for Ole Miss. This should be an incredible ball game. And if I remember, Ole Miss put up a lot of points a year ago yeah. uh, on on that Bama defense. Uh, should be pretty exciting Saturday. Yeah, look, when when your program has been as dominant as Alabama's has um, over the last you know dozen or so years. You, you get to a point where there are very, very few home games, I mean, even road games for that matter, that you consider to be uh, a threat, you know, where, where you even entertain the possibility you could lose. Uh, but, but this is one of them because, uh, because of what Ole Miss's offense was able to do against Alabama a year ago and the fact that they needed one of the greatest offenses in the history of, of college football in order to outscore them. Um, and and you still got Matt Corral there with Lane Kiffin calling the plays, and, and so you, you know Ole Miss is going to be potent. They're going to put up a lot of points, and uh, Alabama's offense, while still good, isn't as good as it was last year. And so, if Alabama's defense doesn't play better than it did against Florida two weeks ago, there's a real chance for Ole Miss to pull the upset. And I think Alabama's fans know that, and so I think they will be much more into this game from the opening kick. Than, than they typically are for even SEC games. Brad Edwards with us, Hale Varsity Radio College Football Insider, will be on site, Tuscaloosa, where he'll be for Bama and Ole Miss. Uh, you just kind of laid out what is at stake. And let me ask you one more thing about Ole Miss. Is Ole Miss, say they, they get the win, say they do the impossible. I think Johnny Football, the last guy to go win, 
in in Tuscaloosa. Uh, also, Cam Newton. Those are those are about it. Joe Burrow is, is Ole Miss good enough to to go unscathed uh, in the rest of the SEC West? I don't quite know their crossovers. Or yeah. could they could they beat Alabama and still drop two SEC games? I don't think so. Um, I, I I think I think this game on Saturday is for the SEC West. Now. We all know that, that teams can get a lot better over the course of two months. So, you know, what we've seen in the past four weeks might not necessarily be what, you know, LSU or Auburn is by November. But based on what I've seen so far, I don't think the loser of Saturday's game is, is going to dr- – excuse me, I don't think the winner of Saturday's game is going to lose uh, two of its remaining conference games and open the door for the other team to get back in. So I – I believe it's for the SEC West. And, you know, six years ago, Ole Miss went into Tuscaloosa with, with Chad Kelly, a quarterback, and it took five Alabama turnovers to none for Ole Miss to allow them to barely hang on and, and pull the upset. Uh, but then Ole Miss went out and lost twice after that, and, and, you know, Alabama was still able to get to the SEC championship game and then ultimately win the national championship. Um, but but I, I don't think they can count on that happening again. I think this Ole Miss offense is so good that they're going to be able to outscore just about anybody, not just in, in the SEC West, but in the country. And they don't face either Georgia or Florida from the East. Ole Miss's crossover games, I believe, off the top of my head, are against Tennessee and Vanderbilt. So um, so Ole Miss, I, I mean, you look at A&M and the, where, the way they're struggling to score, um, Arkansas is obviously much improved, but they have to go to Oxford, I believe. Um, I, you know, I, I just I don't see uh, Ole Miss dropping two games um, if they're able to if they're able to come out of Tuscaloosa with a win. So it, 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 it's very rare that on the first Saturday of October you have a game that you would say is essentially for the division title. But I, I believe this one is. Of all the assistants Saban's faced. Of course, you got Kirby in in Georgia, but how would you describe the relationship with Saban and, and Lane Kiffin? Is there is there affection there, or is it more of I'm going to show you uh, I'm still Nick Saban, Lane. Lane's grown up a lot too. I mean, he's really really good at what he does. But how would you describe, uh, at least from from your viewpoint, their uh, their relationship? Yeah, I, they're, let's just put it this way. They are so different. I think that's obvious to anyone you know, who, who pays attention to college football, how different their personalities are. So you wouldn't be surprised to know that they're not two guys who would hang out in the offseason. They're not going to you know, go, <laughs> go over to each other's houses and uh, you know, have their, their wives be best friends or anything like that. Um, I mean, like Saban's also a good bit older than Kiffin on top of that. Um, but... but Nick does have a great amount of respect for Lane, despite the way Lane left Alabama. You remember it was after a national semifinal win, you know, when Kiffin had already accepted the FAU job, and Saban didn't feel like his full attention was on Alabama, like it was too split. And so he basically said, go ahead, take off, you know, we'll go without you. And it was, it was you know, quite embarrassing for Kiffin the way that it transpired and, and – I, th- I think people can remember a few episodes of, of you know, of Lane getting a nice uh, chewing out on the sideline from Nick in the middle of certain games. And, and so it might have seemed like they didn't get along at all. 
Um, but but Nick in recent years has has gone out of his way to credit Lane Kiffin for being the, the guy responsible for bringing Alabama's offense into the modern era of college football. And while you know everything you saw Alabama do last year was, was not necessarily the the exact concept that Lane had established. Um, Lane was the one who Saban called when he re- remember remember that time when Saban was complaining about offensive football and said is this what we want the sport to be mm-hmm. and, and and I think most people around the country are like yeah this is what we want it to be and so Saban's like okay well then we'll have to play that way and Kiffin is who he brought in and you know he was offensive coordinator for three years they won the SEC all three of those years and so um, I, I think there's a great deal of respect from Saban. Uh, for what Kiffin has done as an offensive coach and what he continues to do as an offensive coach. And I I think Kiffin obviously has a lot of respect for Saban, of course, for what he's done as a program. And I know uh, he learned a lot from him. Uh, But I can promise you there is nothing that Kiffin would want more out of this season than to beat Saban. You know, I, I, I would even venture that if you gave him a choice, you could lose to Alabama and win the SEC and make the playoff or you could beat Alabama and still not win the SEC or make the playoff. I think he would choose beating Alabama. I, I, <laughs> I, think, it, I, think, it, I think it's a really personal thing for, for, uh, for Lane and w- wanting to be the first one, the first former assistant to knock off Nick. Brad Edwards with us, preview in Ole Miss and Bama, Hale Varsity Radio. Brad, I, I know you, you've been on your book tour and you're keeping an eye on the SEC. Nebraska hung with Oklahoma. Nebraska had a win in East Lansing and more fires pop up. Uh, it's, it's wild, quite honestly, to see Nebraska find ways to lose a football game despite how well Adrian Martinez has been playing and uh, the elite level the defense has been playing carrying this football team. What's your reaction and what's your take on, on Northwestern Nebraska now that it's super high on your radar, but it's it's a giant ball game to see where this team's at. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I really have a take on this game because I haven't – I've really seen nothing of Northwestern this year. Um, uh, I, I watched I, – I don't think I don't think I saw a snap of the Michigan State game. I saw a good bit of the Oklahoma game uh, two weeks ago. And, you know, you're right. I mean, there are a lot of things that Nebraska is doing well, and there are a lot of things that you can look at as very encouraging signs. Yet, it's the same old thing. It's, just, it's, it's, it's learning how to win, you know. And, and, and I never thought I would say that about Nebraska. You probably never thought you would either, you know, that Nebraska needs to learn how to win. Um, but, but, you know, going back to last year, I remember they – I can't remember it was last year or two years ago. I think it was last year. They had a couple of one-score losses at least a couple, the top 25 teams. And, you know, you, you look at all this and, and you think to yourself, they're not that far away. You know, you're talking about one or two plays in a game being the difference in, in winning or losing against a – of course, in the case of Nebraska, it's, it's losing against a ranked team. And it, they're just a few little things – that they've got to do better, and they could they could go from being what they have been the last few years for the last few years to being a, a nine and three type team almost overnight if they could just clean up one or two plays per game. And so that I mean, look, that, that's still not close to being what Nebraska was, you know, back when when Frost was playing. 
Um, but the next step is just to be relevant again. And, and I, I don't think they're that far off of, of being able to beat the majority of teams in the Big Ten on a given day. They just got to prove that, that they can make the plays that are necessary to win a game. And um, it, it's easier said than done. Brad Edwards is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Brad, you're, you're right on the money. That's what that's what we've been saying in Husker Media here for the past couple weeks is Nebraska doesn't know how to win. They find a way to lose. It feels like every single week, week in, week out. Uh, they are getting pretty good at covering the spread, though, so Husker's got that going for them. <laughs> what in doubt cover, says Elijah. <laughs> uh, but, but, Brad, I, I just want to get to the, the Big Ten as a whole here for a second. Uh, Wisconsin with a disappointing loss to Notre Dame over the weekend. Uh, we've had Iowa, who's looked good so far this year, and Penn State. But elsewhere, Ohio State hasn't looked all that great uh, early in the year under C.J. Stroud. Just where do you think this Big Ten stands in relation to the other conferences as we're getting closer and closer to, to starting to discuss who's going to make the college football playoff? Yeah, I, I don't like the Big Ten this year uh, from a playoff perspective. You're right that Ohio State seems like a shell of what they have been in recent years. Uh, obviously, the defense has really struggled. Um, you, you know, you, you mentioned Iowa, and while they have a, a really high ranking right now, they, they certainly don't look the part on offense. And, um, and I, you know, I, I, I question whether they can just continue to win games the way that, that they're performing on that side of the ball. You know, Penn State, while, you know, I, I guess if you, if you look at any normal year, having beaten Wisconsin and Auburn, that's a really good resume through four games. And I'm not saying it's bad, but you, you look at what Wisconsin did last weekend, you look at what Auburn did last weekend, and I, I, I'm not so sure that Wisconsin and Auburn are good. So, um, I, you know, and, and Penn State doesn't blow me away either. There, there's not a team in the Big Ten. That, that I look at right now and think could win a, a semifinal game if they get into the playoff. Now, I, I will flash back to 2014 and, and remember an Ohio State team that lost to Virginia Tech week two and looked really bad in doing it. And I would have told you week four that I didn't think that they were capable of winning a playoff game. And they went on to lose their starting quarterback and still win the national championship after, after week four. So, um, you know, teams can get better, but, but what I see of the Big Ten right now, I, I don't think there's a national title contender in the bunch, and I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if they don't have a team in the playoffs. couple minutes here, Brad Edwards with us, Hale Varsity Radio College Football Insider. His book, Dynasty by the Numbers, BamaDynastyBook.com. If you love college football, some uh, some awesome work by Brad on what Bama's done and some of the, the great teams in college football. Brad, uh, a thought here on, on Dabo and Clemson. Is this just kind of a rebuild mesh reload uh, for, for Dabo, or, or is this some storm clouds for... Uh, a future downfall. They've been great for a long time. They're now two and two, and NC State just got them. Yeah, I, I think they, for whatever reason, have just uh, hit a moment where they're just they're just really weak on the offensive line, and it's difficult to generate anything uh, on on offense because of it. And look, they they don't have a Travis Etienne at running back who can you know take a ball um, and and go seventy yards. Anytime you get in his hands, you know, they, um, for whatever reason, a guy who looked like a world beater, a quarterback last year in his two relief appearances, 
um, looks like he's very unsure of himself at the moment, even though he has all the physical tools in the world. They're still really good on defense. Um, so I, especially given that they'll, you know, they're not changing conferences. They'll continue to have an ACC schedule. I don't see Clemson going anywhere. Um, but but I am I am curious how they finish this season because given some of the injuries that they they've already taken on, um, even with that ACC schedule, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose a couple more the way that they've been playing, and and that would be alarming. But you know whether they lose another game or not, they're not going to be in the playoff, and it's going to be the first time in a while that that's happened. But I would expect them to bounce back, and like I said, because they're in the ACC. Um, I don't think we've seen the last of Clemson in the playoff under Dabo, but um, you never know. That's one thing about the end of an era is that most people don't see it coming until it's so evident that you can't deny it. And um, and, and so we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I, I don't. I, I, while I think you can go ahead and, and just hit the stop button on the 2021 season for Clemson, I, I, I don't think it's time to uh, to to call off this era and say that, that, you know, Clemson's done. Brad Edwards with us at uh, J. Brad Edwards. Brad, enjoy the weekend. We'll get caught up soon. Thanks for a few minutes today, bud. You got it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio on the road today at Seacrest Field. You got freshman football and uh, Southwest and Southeast. We welcome in recruiting insider uh, with HaleVarsity.com and magazine, Greg Smith with us. Greg, uh, finally some visitors this Saturday night, man. How are you? Yeah, it feels like we're back now and that things are starting all over again. Uh, I am well. Things picking up. I'm always happy about that. Well, let's just take a look real quick at 2022 for me. Uh, and I know it's a, it's a tiny class. Coach Frost has been pretty uh, straightforward with that. And I know you, you've got your quarterback in Torres, and I know Schwartz, and we know a lot of the names. Page out of Boulder, Jones, and, and Ashton Hayes, the talented back, and, of course, Houseman and Applegate uh, for 2022, the local kids in Androff, uh also, the uh, the tight end out of Minnesota. Those are the known, and uh, there's limited spots. What, what is Nebraska in crucial need of to fill out this class? Could be Portal, could be JUCO, could be high school for 2022. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's interesting because, like you said, one of the first thing that's interesting to me is that Coach Ross has been really straightforward about it being a very small class. He said that n- numerous times now, um, and typically teams aren't so forthcoming about that because they just want to leave their um, – options open, but it seems like Nebraska knows that it's definitely going to be a, a small class and proceeding as such. Now, when it comes to needs, I think there's two of them that, that rise to the top right away as glaring needs, and that's both offensive line and then defensive back. Like, there are no offensive linemen or defensive backs in this class right now. Um, you know, the, the, I guess the most recent kind of 2022 recruiting news a while back was that they lost a commit in Valen Erickson uh, flipping from Nebraska to Missouri on the offensive line, which is how they got to know offensive lineman in this class. So I think that those are the two key spots to look at moving forward um, when it comes to this class. But there's kind of a caveat there, especially on the offensive line. Like, would it make sense for Nebraska to pursue the portal or JUCO players for offensive line specifically, um, given how still kind of young and class um, standing they are on the offensive line on the current team? 
that's a great question. And do you go get guys that are, air quote, more seasoned? Because you're playing, I mean, there's been a, a number of starts by some of the guys. And I think of Ben Hart, he, he's played a lot of football, but not, he's kind of at that midway point, I guess, is, is what I'd say. Cam's led the way with, with starts early in his career. Uh, you've got, what, now six games total uh, for, for Turner and you're figuring out things at left guard. Sichterman's been in the program for a long time, you know, four and a half years, and, and he's uh, he's working through things. So O-line's obviously been a problem. Uh, and that begs the question, you know, do you have time to, to develop? We know, Greg, it takes a long time to develop linemen. Yep. Then they got to they gotta see live bullets and, and then perform and then adjust. And that's part of the problem ongoing right now. Yeah, and and one of the things, just as we kind of start and think about, like, the various guys that you have kind of in the room right now, um, the other thing is, do you have everyone in the proper position, right? Like, is everybody in the spot that's best suited for them long term? Like, just, you know, as as we're talking through it, is Turner best suited for left tackle, or should he be at right, or should he kick inside the guard? What do you do, and I think this is the big question moving forward, and we'll see this maybe this week, is what do you do with Teddy Prochaska? Like, he's played his way it seems like into more playing time um and so there's guys there like and i think that that's what makes it even more frustrating um probably for the coaches but also for fans is that there are players there and you like the athleticism on that line it's just making sure you get the right five and you get everybody kind of pulling in the same direction greg smith with us recruiting insider hailvarcity.com and magazine will get to some of the visitors here the next couple of uh, Saturday nights in a moment. You can find Greg on Twitter at GregSmithHV. You know, you've seen a lot of Turner, man. You made a lot of trips down to, to Kansas to see him. You've seen Ben Hart. And, and what's your take? Uh, is, is Turner a guy that they look at moving inside or flipping over? He, he's not that far along with, with starts. And I, I'm guilty of jumping to conclusions about the guy is going to just dominate based on on Rutgers on his one start, but he he did really well as uh, as a backup and and came in and it was flawless for him once Hymas you know took off, but I just I think confidence is is the bigger problem than talent. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I would I would totally agree there. I think the confidence confidence and then working his way back in from the injury because right. one of the things that and I know that people don't love to hear that with Holy because it's been a few weeks now since he's kind of come back from that injury. But you also have to remember that we're, we are talking about a guy that had one start prior to that, right? So working back from an injury like that on the fly um, and then trying to be at your peak best is not necessarily easy for a young player, right? Um, but I do still think that there might be questions about where you where his ultimate best fit is um, and that's not necessarily a knock on his talent. I think it's just a combination of wanting to be able to have him be in the best position for him but also the reality of a guy like Teddy Prochaska coming along as well to maybe be best suited for that left tackle spot. Like There's some interesting decisions uh, to be made there. Greg, speaking of working your way back from an injury, I think I'm going to call back to about two years ago, and we're going to go for another Fedoni watch. As he posted a video on Twitter yesterday of him blocking. Do you do you think we're going to see Thomas Fedoni on the field, or at least on the sideline, at all this season, or do you think they're just going to keep him out and, and play it safe? 
Oh, man, a throwback with the Fedoni watch. I love it. Um, I would say at this point, if it, okay, if it was up to Thomas Fedoni, he'd be out there already, but he's not medically cleared. Obviously, he's doing stuff, as you just mentioned that video. Um, Sean Beckton was asked about it um, yesterday and said that he would like um, – the plan still is to wait to get Thomas in for the four games um, so that that way he can maintain his red shirt for this season. I still remain a little bit dubious on whether or not they're – or skeptical on whether or not they're going to actually do that because at some point you also have to risk reward this this situation too because is it worth it to rush him back for those four games if he's not completely healthy or do you just put him on the shelf all season and make sure that he's 100% can hit the ground running for next year Um, that might end up being the smarter play but I think that they're still kind of having those discussions. Greg I want to go back to left tackle and if if um changes are made for for northwestern you know going into game six do you worry about teddy being thrown into a a, a tough situation uh against a northwestern who i don't care if they're uh, air quote down they're still good (laughs) they still figure out how to give nebraska problems uh i i guess if changes are made on the o-line you're doing that for for a better result but do you expect a better result that's going to be the, the tough thing because it, when you make that when you make changes, especially on the offensive line, or if I guess with the defensive line, but it, only the offensive line is in question here. If you make those changes, like in the heart of the Big Ten season, like it's just going to be difficult. Like you're going to have to then live with any growing pains that come, no matter if it's you know Teddy, if it's Nuri, um, if Bando is able to come back, like whoever is moving into those spots. Um, it, it, it might be a little bit of a work in progress, but of the opponents that you're going to see here in the short term, it might be the best situation to get their feet wet against Northwestern uh, versus throwing them out there against Michigan uh, the week after. Yeah, you want nothing to do with Hutchinson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, get, no. Get a game under your belt first, right, before Michigan rolls in. Okay, let's talk visitors Saturday night. Dylan Riola, uh, stud quarterback, Dom's boy, four-star for 2024, and then Charles uh, Jag Oshawa, did I screw that up horribly? Uh, potentially, I haven't talked to him yet, so I don't know what it like how to pronounce it. I always ask uh, because that looks like a tough one—an offensive lineman, defense, offensive defensive lineman um, out of Illinois. Yeah, OTDT. We'll just call him Big Chuck uh, <laughs> for, for there. But how do you? Uh, what, what's what's your uh, intel? given you when it comes to to Nebraska and and Riola and and Big Chuck for this uh, 2024 cycle here. Uh, Nebraska is still in the thing. Obviously, they're officially visiting, but uh, it's going to be a potential game changer with the crowd and the atmosphere uh, with with Nebraska Northwestern. Who else besides these two? And, And what's your take on these two with their interest level? Yes, yeah, so we're starting with these two. I think that they both have good interests. I think that um, Dylan Rayola is going to be a, a big time storyline because he's a big time player uh, for a couple of years. Like until he decides to, to make a commitment, and we know quarterbacks do it early, um, but we'll see. I don't have any idea right now on the timeline for him, but he's going to be a big deal and a huge focus um, in Nebraska recruiting. But he's also got a really interesting litmus test on what's happening with the direction of the program, right? Like we know his dad, we know 
know that he's no nonsense. You know that Dylan's going to have a lot of options on the table. Um, so if Nebraska doesn't show improvement, it's going to be tough, even with the family ties and his dad's name being in the stadium, um, to be, you know, to keep in that race. Um, when it comes to Big Chuck, I think Nebraska has a great um, opportunity to make a big time impression here. I think he's a kid that probably ends up in the Big Ten down the road. Um, so it's another one of those you either have him or you're playing against him, and Nebraska would rather have him on their side. Um, other than those two, I think you're going to see a large group from Iowa. I think that once again, and I feel like we've talked about this for the last few cycles, um, Iowa, the state of Iowa has been a hotbed for recruiting. Nebraska has done a good job of recruiting those kids and getting them interested. Um, and I, I look for a large group of those guys, uh, kind of led by 2023 defensive athlete Watson Bride uh, coming back to Lincoln this weekend. And the Huskers have a great opportunity under the lights to really show off uh, all of what Memorial Stadium has to offer. Greg, we'll talk next week here, but uh, you've got another big-time quarterback in Reese Mooney. Asa Newsom, obviously outside backer from, from Iowa, slated for Michigan. If, if you had to kind of dive into Mooney's game versus Riola's game, what sticks out about each? Yeah, I think that Mooney is a more accurate quarterback. He's a little bit smaller, too, but he's a more accurate quarterback. Probably um, moves a little bit better, a little bit quicker. But um, Dylan is, is no slouch when it comes to running the football. He's an athletic kid. But the thing with Dylan is, is he's just got tremendous arm talent. Like, his accuracy and arm strength are just off the charts. Um, and, and you saw that at Friday Night Lights. Um, you've seen that in some of the highlight videos, even you know him being a pitcher in baseball, even though um, Reese also is a pitcher as well. I think that they they have slightly different games, but both really good prospects. Um, and but Rayo is going to be one of the top quarterback prospects in that class of twenty four. Greg, about a minute left here. What's the uh, the Greg Smith forecast for uh, for Nebraska Northwestern? Yeah, I like the Huskers in this one. I think that, and I guess we have to put the caveat on this at all times, that as long as the Huskers avoid some kind of catastrophic mistake or mistakes, um, plural, as things have gone lately, um, they should be okay. I think that a 10-point win or so uh, should be about in order for Nebraska this weekend if they take care of business um, against what is a quote-unquote down Northwestern team. Greg Smith with us. Find him on Twitter at GregSmithHV. Uh, and, of course, read him with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, your recruiting insider. Greg, we'll see you at the stadium, bud, and uh, thanks for a few minutes today. Hey, thanks as always, man. Have a good week. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Lincoln Orthopedic Center, Dr. Doug Tavis with us. Dr. Doug, how's fantasy football treating you? You know, I scored the two highest, or the uh, for the first two games, the most points, and I lost both of my games. Oh, man. <laughs> just uh, just uh, <laughs> lightning in a bottle with the other two that I was facing. Well, uh, that is a, uh, a tender subject, my fault. <laughs> that but you know my junior helps me with the draft he's been my my gm the last three or four years excellent and uh we have a good time and we we passed on gronk even though gronk did some work for us last year and man he's had a great start to the season tough ball game out in la for for tampa and tom 
and an even tougher game for Gronk over the middle as he got rocked and rib injury. Dr. Doug, you see these a lot, and you can you can have a rib fracture like Tua. You can have some bruising. I mean, it, it can be pretty complicated. Let's spend a, a few minutes here on, on some rib issues and think about how big and, and strong Gronk is, and then think of the, the abuse his body's taken over a decade. Yeah, he's been one of the more frequent guests on this uh, uh, interview program <laughs> that we've had over the last few years. Um, you know, the the ribs um, are are a, a very difficult thing to play football with when your ribs are, are sore because, you know, every time you get hit, of course, uh, you're re-aggravating them. The issue is that there's a lot of times, like this particular time with, with Gronk, where um, there aren't fractures, um, that uh, are seen on the x-ray, and um, you still have that bone-like, uh, really sharp pain. Sometimes uh, even strange things like um, um, air in the lungs, you know, escaping out of the lungs like a pneumothorax mm-hmm. uh, uh, can happen. And, and so those are, the, are a number of different things that go on with these rib injuries that um, make him really difficult for these football players to go. So there's no fracture with the x-ray on Gronk's ribs. It's a pain management thing, and I'm interested when it comes to treatment and, and healing and health. Uh, it's such a tender area because as a tight end, you're going to get hit over the middle. You're going to get hit up the seam. They're going to put hands all over you to try and break your you know, your timing up. What's what's Tampa doing right now? What do you do to okay if you give a if you kid, give a kid a, an okay to play if the the medical staff says you you can go as long as you can deal with it? How do you try and manage that leading up to and even in game? Yeah, so they're, uh, the rib jacket type of a thing is probably the the mainstay. You know where you're um, you, always uh, seeing those guys that that. Uh, have a little more fluff underneath their shoulder pads than they did in the game before, you know, and and, uh, that's what those uh, jackets are for. They spread out the pressure over the ribs so that there isn't as much of a localized kind of a thing when you get hit. Um, A lot of times um, with a guy that's uh, in, in in a situation like Gronkowski, I mean, his practice is going to be pretty limited this, this week. And sometimes you'll see a guy, um, who will have an off day, you know, in terms of, of that next game because he just doesn't hasn't had the repetition and the snaps against the, you know, the upcoming opponent's uh, defense, and so uh, you, you may see, you know, a, a letdown in some of the performance, even though it may not be uh, that much uh, associated with pain. Um, Occasionally, we'll, uh, we can do things like uh, localized injections. Now, it's not a, typically a cortisone injection. This is more of a uh, more like a lidocaine or a, or a marcaine injection, which is a local numbing medicine. That might be beneficial, especially down on the lower uh, ribs where some of the uh, muscular attachment may be the biggest cause of the pain. Um, Obviously, the modality treatments in the training room, like uh, electrical stim and ultrasound, those are being used right now, trying to uh, get him under control. Um, uh, there's a thing called a lighted, lidocaine patch, a lidoderm mm-hmm. patch. Uh, that's a, a, a patch that you stick on that uh, has the medicine kind of work its way through the skin down to the 
uh, area of the rib injury. So there's a whole bunch of different pain management things that we're trying to do when we're when we're taking care of somebody who's who's going to be uh, getting back into the game. But ultimately, um, it still is a situation of how much can you tolerate. Dr. Doug Tavis with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Rob Gronkowski in the Tampa tight end. That still is weird to say, the Tampa tight end. <laughs> uh, x-rays, no fractures, but he's going to be all sore. And you know him and Brady both want this on Sunday. It's Sunday night football. They go back to see Coach Belichick as Tampa's on the road in the Northeast. So I have no doubt Gronk will, will try and get healthy and get going. When it comes to all the treatments you laid out, one just false hit can kind of trigger even more pain. If you were to put a, a number on discomfort, the, the, the rib injuries, are they up there as far as just the level of uncomfort or discomfort, I should say, when it comes to trying to gut through something? Yeah, you know, we use a we use a pain scale, you know, with zeros, no pain, tens, the worst pain you can have. And, uh, you know, these things can, especially on, on some of the lower rib injuries in particular, uh, these things can reach right up there, you know, six, seven, eight, you know, kinds of numbers. Um, a lot of times the, the rib injuries that are a little bit in the middle, especially if it's like a like a single rib injury, they're kind of splinted by the ribs on either side of them, and so those may not be as dramatically as bad. But uh, the lower ribs, um, they they may be, and they're probably more exposed too. You know, from the hits that that guys are taking in, in football. So uh, those lower rib injuries, I think, are a little bit more uh, likely to be causing those higher levels. Does this will this hurt his wind? I mean, I think he's a, a highly conditioned ball player, obviously, but. Just when it comes to breathing, when you breathe and when you're running and, and you're trying to block, let alone catch, uh, just just being able to to to, to breathe and, and play, get, get enough oxygen. Uh, I know it's not lungs, but just from a discomfort, is that a possibility as well? Yeah, it happens all the time with with those types of injuries because you just you feel that pain when you take a deep breath, and so you know the uh, the. Uh, times where you're going to be uh, going out and running, you know, and Gronk as a tight end, I mean, he goes on some of the deeper patterns um, as opposed to some of the other tight ends. But uh, I would bet that you would see him being used um, more intermittently um, in specialty situations. You know, Brady loves him in the in the red zone and, and you know, short uh, – patterns in the uh, you know that five ten yard kind of a range i wouldn't be surprised if you just see a lot more of that out of him as opposed to you know going down the sidelines um which uh, of course he and brady have done many many times dr doug tavis with us lincoln orthopedic center at jock doc wednesday gronk and his ribs are topic today as tampa uh heads up to new england and a bit of a reunion It'll be interesting to see uh, what Gronk does on Sunday and how he can manage. Dr. Doug, thanks for a few minutes today. You bet, Chris. You have a good uh, fantasy team week here. 
miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time here, Roadshow Wednesday at Seacrest Field, southeast at half right now, all over southwest. 13 nothing. couple turnovers, a few penalties. Uh, you got Cash Butenbach doing his thing with some running lanes. Really good. I don't have the, the, the roster, Elijah, but southeast freshman quarterback, really talented. Some nice red zone, dare I say it, some nice red zone offense in Nebraska, a little little run-pass option with the quarterback finding the tight end. See if uh, Griffin Simran gets going and Finn McGovern and, and Jace uh, Erickson, the uh, three-headed running back monster for Southwest. We'll see if things can happen. Our little buddy Mav is back there. He's waving. Let's wave it. Uh, there he is. Mav. Mav's going to go Eli Manning here real quick uh, when, when it comes to uh, the frustration level. And saying there's two, two missed calls, Mr. Referee. Uh, Elijah, thanks for uh, navigating this thing. StreamYard's been a lot of fun for most of the show today. Uh, Single Barrel is where we're going to be Friday, Road Show Friday, uh, 4 to 6. The Single Barrel Incredible Steakhouse, whiskeys, 250 of them for you to sample. Uh, All at once may be extreme, but there's options for you. And uh, Jeremiah Searles will be on site with us on Friday. We'll have Searles tomorrow. Gary Barnett, former Northwestern coach tomorrow. Pride of Chicago, Danny Burke survived his tailgate with Notre Dame and Wisconsin fans. And uh, Brandon Vogel with us. Reminder about buckling up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Matt Ferris, of course, Ferris Financial. Nice to see him up here helping power our road shows as Minnesota is uh, up next for us in a couple of weeks. Are you going? Are you roadying? Still up in the air at the moment. Kind of depends. You're waiting on the next two weeks. Well, that, that, and it kind of depends if I have road trip buddies, so... We'll see to be announced. If I am up there, I'm sure I'm going to be on the, the post-game show and the pre-game show, so that'd be awesome. But if not, I'll be back here in the studio. So, Well, and last time I was up there, we, we caught up with our old buddy Mitch Sherman two years ago. Uh, Searles made that roadie, which was awesome. But they have Grain Belt on tap. Uh, our old former co-host, the Pride of Columbus, David Gustafson Gus, he's still drinks that stuff he still buys that stuff right i mean no uh the the vintage beer right and uh he was a little jealous you get a get a a a, a grain belt draw only in minneapolis man but it was bad game (laughs) good trip we did run into eagle fans that was interesting Eagle, like the Philadelphia Eagles? Because they played Minnesota the follow the, the day after uh, Sunday. Did you get any uh, double birds from any nine-year-olds, Eli Manning style? I did not. <laughs> these, these Philly fans were actually pretty good dudes, and even as uh, Ted Kennedy as they were, they were still pretty solid. So what's on the agenda tonight? I don't know. There's no football homework. on. There's no football on, so probably homework. Maybe watch some Netflix. Who knows? Up in the air. 
do it oh, up. Oh, I need to teach myself how to do makeup because I need to do it for a class where I'm going to be on camera. I'm not oh, looking sweet. forward to that. Camera makeup's overrated, yeah. obviously. We'll talk to you tomorrow <laughs> at 4 on Hail Varsity. Thanks.